your talk show for all things automotive. From the latest news to the greatest views and the biggest names in rolling iron. Your host is Brett Hatfield, freelance auto journalist, senior auction analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine and American Car Collector Magazine, writer and editor of ReadTheDriven.com and owner of his own small but growing fleet of cool cars. Get behind the wheel of an hour of car talk starting right now. It's Driven Radio. I'm your host, Brett Hatfield. I'm here with my co-host, Catfish Grows. And we've got great things to talk about this week and possibly some good news for the collector car market. We've been saying for a long time that things are softening up and it looks like maybe we've stabilized. So let's get into it. Get your brain in gear for what's going on. Time for What's News on the Driven Radio Show. So we've had a lot of conversations lately about how things in the collector car world seem to be softening a little bit. Prices are going down, you know, from uh, up until about September of 2016 or thereabouts. We'd seen a really meteoric rise in prices after the recession. Guys looking to put money into uh, uh, different investments, things that they hadn't been pouring money into before. Right. You know, uh, for the first time ever, we'd seen uh, real estate not automatically increase in value every year. Well, when suddenly there's investment clubs for vehicles, yeah, you know, the people that are actually buying shares of a car. Well, like, what? And after watching the, the stock market take a dump and then come back, and housing also tank and come back, people they were they were a little more optimistic about investing. Yeah. They're starting to get some of their cash back, but they're also looking to maybe diversify what they put their money really into. Really diversify, yeah. And yeah, one yeah. of the great things about buying collector cars, and one of the things I love, is it doesn't matter how soft that market gets, it's never worth zero. And there's also the intrinsic value of, hey, I can back this thing out of my garage and go for a spin. Yeah. So, yeah, and it's something that you love instead of just, you know, sending your money to something that they make widgets. Well, yeah, I have a piece of paper that says I own X. And yeah, I'm a walkulator manufacturer. <laughs> and a what? So what we have saw for a few years was collector cars went through the roof. And a lot of it was guys from about our age down to their early 30s who had some disposable income and they started buying up all the cars that were on posters on their bedroom walls when we were kids. Right. So you saw G-Body 911s, 78 to 89 911s go through the roof. And Lamborghini Countaches that for oh years gosh, had yeah. sat around 80, 90 grand almost overnight became $400,000 cars. It was amazing, just sudden. And, you know, stuff like that. Uh, Porsches and Lamborghinis and everything of Ferraris, all the Italian stuff. In fact, all the Italian stuff went up so far, so fast, that Panteras, which which are Italian bodies and Italian interiors with an American engine and a German ZF uh, transaxle. Like sexy Corvairs. And, a, and Lucas Electronics. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, the kiss of death. Well, there had to be but, something wrong. But those that had languished for years and years, and you could shop all day for 30 to 40 grand, suddenly became $100,000 cars. And they've, they've kind of retained that value. They've stayed up there. People yeah. have figured out you can have a mid-engine Italian exotic that you can buy parts for at the Ford dealer. At any rate, all of those things went up really, really fast. 
kind of plateaued uh, a little after mid-2016 and have been coming back down. But if these Scottsdale auctions, of which I am so fond, are any indication, we may have plateaued. They did pretty well this year. In fact, they were up a little bit over last year. The seven major auctions that go on in Scottsdale uh, this year had total sales, according to Haggerty, of $251 million. 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 Holy dollars. 200, $251 million. 250, a quarter of a billion dollars. Now, is that because, is it like, oh my God, that's a lot of cars, or just it's a lot of cars, but with a, still retaining a lot of great prices? Well, uh, there were a, a little bit, uh, well, this year there were 3,294 cars on offer wow. amongst the seven auctions. Now, you have an auction like Barrett Jackson that runs for a full week. Uh, I think Barrett Jackson may even be getting close to 10 days long now. Uh, they're going to have, obviously, more cars than an auction that runs uh, like Russo and Steel that runs a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Right. But still, Russo and Steel had 800 cars there. Damn. <laughs> and Barrett Jackson, I'm not sure what their final tally was, but they had a ton of stuff there as well. And uh, then you throw in... Gooding, Christie, Bonhams, Sotheby's. Did Christie send? Anyway, all the other yeah. auction houses on top of that. That's a lot of cars. That's a lot of cars. But on top of that, it was the 251 this year was $3 million more than last year at 248 And also, the sell-through rate this year for all seven auctions was down just a little bit, but it was 81%. Wow. Now, almost everything that runs through Barrett-Jackson is sold on a no-reserve, absolute sale, with very few exceptions. Right. So, you know, if they had 1,100 cars, or like I said, I don't know what their final tally was, but almost everything they had sold, and it was going to sell from the jump. Uh, but the very, very, very high-end stuff is still selling pretty well. Uh, you know, the, the stuff that is solid seven figures, uh, Gooding and company had the three big sales of the week. Uh, they had a 63 Ferrari 250 GT short wheelbase that sold for 7.595, 7.6 million dollars. Holy cow. Yeah. Well, yeah. Remember Ferrari 250 GT short wheelbase is Ferris Bueller's car. Oh, yeah. Okay, so they, they at least they had a little bit of that ringing with it, and, and plus it's just well, a beautiful and, and the and the top three sales were also vintage Ferraris. 63 oh Ferrari gosh. 250 GT short wheelbase, 58 Ferrari 250 GT Tour de France at $5.9 million, and a 53 Ferrari 250 uh, Milmelia Spider that sold for $5.4 million. Now, that's a ton of money. But they're saying that what we're seeing around a million dollars is starting to soften, and not all of those sold. And really, there's this giant chasm from right at seven-figure land down to about 250, where you're seeing softening sales, and then 250 down to you know 30s, 40s, pretty strong. So uh, you're seeing more cars at sell at lower prices, and you know the the absolute upper end of stuff. The like uh, Matt Farah has said before. The very rich are still very rich <laughs> and are going to continue to be very rich. And there's some people that are very glad. Oh, yeah, Holy absolutely. Cow. But it sounds like maybe our uh, our fantabulous collector car market is starting to solidify a little bit and level out. And I'm glad to hear that. Well, you know, it, and even if 
considering the way that it skyrocketed, when you're talking about some of the values yeah. that, that went up, you know, two to four times, just wham. If yeah. it, if it, you know, there, there comes needed down, to you be know, a correction. 20%. There needed to be a correction. Yeah, yeah you're, now you're the, golden. The guys who were sitting on that stuff that quadrupled and then were oh, yeah. subsequently able to sell it, those are all very happy people. And yes. I can't say that I blame them, you know, if one of my cars had quadrupled. If the Corvette had gone from being worth 75 and was suddenly worth 300 grand, I would have thought about parting with it. Although I probably would have missed the Apex. <laughs> Damn, we better get that 250 out of it while we can. <laughs> yeah. Doggone it. Now, baby. Yeah, Sell. But, 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 but guys who had 80s Ferraris and 80s Porsches and even 80s Lamborghinis, boy, some of those cats really cleaned up. Yeah, they, they're, they're going on a nice vacation. Yes, they are. First yes. class. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, the, uh, the very rich are still very rich. Well, coming up next, we've got Seth Burgett of uh, Gateway Bronco. You found a you found a gem. There's he's some cool stuff, and, and he's playing with such neat things. It's uh, I can't wait to talk to him. That's on the way on Driven Radio. And you're back. We didn't go anywhere. Uh, I'm sure everybody's tired of hearing me talk about being down in Scottsdale and how nice the weather was and how warm it was. And, oh, and the snowstorm? Well, the snowstorm <laughs> and how I was told I was lucky Bigfoot didn't attack me. Yeah, there and, is that. Uh, that that's got to be the weirdest thing ever out of any road trip story anywhere. And uh, the cool thing about being down there in addition to being really warm and getting to wear shorts for a week and driving around with the windows down and not freezing your butt off was getting to go over to barrett jackson and walk around and see all the cool people there and all the neat stuff that was going on and one of the people i ran into because i was looking for him was a guy named seth burgett who is the uh the president and ceo of gateway bronco and gateway well, I'm not going to tell you all about them. I've got Seth on the phone. Seth, welcome to Driven Radio. Thank you so much, Brett. Appreciate the uh, the time tonight. Oh, not at all. We're glad to have you. Uh, Seth has done a lot of different stuff in his lifetime. He's he's done a lot of cool stuff. Probably lots cooler than you and I could ever do. Uh, he's been <laughs> an entrepreneur, an inventor. Uh, he's God. He's done such cool stuff. He's Forty he's, patents. Forty patents. Some of them pending. Yeah, and he's he's invented uh, electronic medical devices, and he's worked on uh, military aircraft. And well, you know what the medical device? It's a heart palpitator, and it it it's called a Shelby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and it, it gets it. Yeah, he he did that too. He collects Shelbys. He wants to race old Shelbys and Porsches and. Uh, he also, oh man, this gets so close to my heart because, uh, you know, my Bronco sitting outside in the parking lot. Yes, it is. Seth's company, Gateway Bronco, uh, reimagines first generation Broncos. And those are the tough guy, cool looking ones. Yeah. The, you know? fir- the first ones were the, the 
tops came off, the doors came off, and you know, all the really super it's cool. It's like one step away from riding a horse right up to your front door, you know, and just going, yeah, I'm getting on my horse. We called it Bronco for a reason. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and uh, we've got Seth with us tonight. Seth, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Brett. Mark, great to, great to be here. I, I read uh, part of your bio a little bit after you and I had talked about uh, some other stuff and saw that you started a small engine repair shop when you were 12. What? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say I would describe it like this, Brett. I would say that, you know, I was metal and my dad was wood. He would build things out of wood, and I was always interested in uh, anything metal. And so um, I think I was age 10. Um, I convinced him to take a small engine repair class at the local community college. And, of course, I couldn't take the class without a parent. And so I took an adult uh, small engine repair uh, class at the local community college, and I turned that into a business in our woodshed. So we lived in mid-America, uh, middle of Illinois, and... You know, my dad built an awesome woodshed, concrete floor, windows. Oh, wow. Everything, it was like a garage. It was like a dream. But in the, in the summertime, it was empty. So I turned it into a small engine repair. And um, by the time I was 15 years old, I could have purchased a 67 Shelby GT350 when I was 15 years old. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was, uh, that was one of, the, one of those that got away. Uh, yeah, and why uh, didn't you? From, I, I want to hear that story. Well, why why no. didn't you buy it? Was it dad or, or <laughs> okay. did you find something else? No, no. So I was standing there at this car in Bloomington, Illinois. It was a lime gold. <laughs> Uh, inboard light, GT350, oh. uh, with parchment interior, and had 40-some-odd-thousand miles of $6,000. So you got to imagine, it was 1985, and I had oh. $6,000 in the bank. Yeah. And I looked at that car, and it was for sale at the car show. I could have purchased Mark and I are both looking at I, each other going, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Keep talking, dream killer. Keep talking. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, yeah, so, so I'm sitting there, and, and I love the color. Uh, later on in life, uh, ended up buying a lime gold uh, GT500, which is the story. Uh, I wanted a big block, a big block. Oh yeah, you know the thing that nobody you know had as a as a kid. You know nobody had a big block. We well, there's a reason for that. Their parents didn't it. want them dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's why I didn't buy the car. uh, It was 30 years later, so I was 45, uh, actually 46 when I bought my first GT500. And so it was uh, uh, was one of those moments I ended up buying a $1,500 Mustang, which I do still have today, by the way. No, kidding. Yes, I do. And I haven't driven it since I was 17, but it's, uh, yeah, I've had it for a long time. How many pieces is it in? Did you well, radically redesign the front end? It, it's on a couple <laughs> shelves. It's <says> Mustang. <laughs> well, you know, it was a uh, uh, an orange Mustang for fifteen hundred dollars. Traded a set of wheels for a nitrous kit, and uh-huh. we used to run that car 
uh, take donations at lunch every day uh, in high school to refill the nitrous bottle. Uh, so we would come out of the come out of the parking lot every single day, and we would lay a strip, and uh, uh, it's exactly what we did. So, Telling all your buddies for ten bucks, I'll scare the hell out of you. <laughs> Worlds of fear instead of worlds of fun. (laughs) Oh, man. So that kind of dovetails into what is typically our first question for people. What was your first car? I got out. Yeah, it was was a fire-breathing Mustang. Was that a 305, by the way, or did it have a 351? No, 302, 351. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it was a a 289 with 351 heads on it, and um, uh, it ran good. It was a strong runner. And then uh, the, the, its demise when I was 17 was a beautiful spring day, and we used to jump this hill every, I mean, at least <laughs> once a week we jumped this hill. Everybody did it. Uh, and everybody, you know, jumped it, no big deal. You came down, you gouged out the concrete or the, you know, the pavement, you kept on going. Well, one day, uh, no nitrous, but one day I just goosed it just right and just launched into the air far more than I wanted to. Oh. Came down, um, it ripped the glass packs off the bottom, so I was open header. Uh, I mean, just literally shredded them right off the headers. Oh. And um, and I didn't realize at the time, you know, none of the gauges work, so I didn't realize <laughs> at the time that, I, you know, I... I, I hit the bottom of the radiator, and so oh. I didn't know any of this. And and I was just hightailing it out of town because I had open headers as a 17-year-old kid. I thought, you know, I'm done. That's I'm an gonna, invitation. I'm yeah. going to get arrested. Yeah, it's an invitation. So anyway, about, you know, 15 minutes later, it oh. was uh, it was his last day. And so I haven't driven it uh, since I was 17 years old, but uh, I've kept it for a long time. And we're going to turn it into a road racer. Uh, vintage road race the car and so uh, uh, that's the plan right now as God is my witness it will live again I love it that's all right okay so we're not the only two idiots who have ever jumped a car yeah I, I've been a little airborne oh, too no. <laughs> oh I, I had a Camaro and it had to spend enough time in the air to have an in-flight meal oh my so is is that dumbest car story ever or is it at least qualify as close to the top uh, well you know it doesn't seem like it was a dumb thing because it was, it was a happy day. It was a spring day. I mean, it was beautiful. It was a, I was in a happy mode, and, you know, everything was great. I just goosed it a little too much. See, and, and, just it, a wee bit. and this is what I love about Seth. No regrets, baby. No regrets. I did it. It didn't go quite as planned, but it was worth it. And look what I learned. Exactly. exactly. I learned that that wing on the back ain't going to make me fly. <laughs> Dog on it. <laughs> So, first car is covered. Possible best story, dumb story is covered. How about favorite car you've ever had? What is your A number one favorite? Oh, boy. Mm. Well, I um, I would say to everybody, I um, I drive a Ford Raptor to Redline every day I drive it. Um <laughs> Uh, I certainly don't condone this, but I hit triple digits, and um, you know, it's so frustrating. They got that uh, speed limiter on the Raptor, and so and that was just um, pulling out of his parking is, space. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great one. Um, I also um, 
I, I club race with Porsche Club of America with a Carrera S, and that Ooh. would people have asked me if you could only have one, would it be that vehicle or the Raptor? And it's such a hard decision. I I don't. But it's don't different loves exactly. for different reasons. Exactly. I absolutely I get that between the two. I absolutely get that. Uh, I I love my Bronco for everything it is and for everything it isn't, and I got vintage cars and hot rods that I love for what they are and what they aren't. It's different loves for different reasons, so I absolutely get that. Yeah. Coming up next in the uh, our next segment, I, I think we're going to dig deep into Broncos. oh, it's it, it's time to it's time to get into I, the weeds, baby. I am so looking forward to this. We talked about your company uh, several weeks ago, several shows ago, just as part of a news thing, and I thought it was amazing that this was going on, and then uh, you know suddenly. It, when Brett said, "Oh, I guess who I got on the show," I'm like, "Oh my God, really? <laughs> I, I, I can't I wait to hear about the, the whole idea between you know uh, what brought you to do this, what what made you decide that this would be a great great idea, and then you know it's it freaking works, and these things are are amazing. They're art. You got to see one up close. You can't believe how good they are. You know, if you get onto the website, it's it's just you sit and you click." And you click, and you're like, "Whoa, wow, really?" And then you guys have the pictures of the uh, of the work that you do, and kind of the step by step process in your story. Got cool stuff coming up on Driven Radio. back with Seth Burgett of Gateway Bronco, and we were discussing a little bit that you reimagined first-generation Broncos, but can you take us through that process from beginning to end? How do you find the, the donors? Uh, what do you do to them? What are the steps in your process to create a new one? And just walk us through everything you do, please. Absolutely, Brad. What we do is we start off with a donor truck that generally comes from uh, the barns in mid-America or uh, the outer areas of the desert. So it's a, it's a great rust-free example. Uh, and, and from there, we'll, we'll deconstruct this vehicle in our Station 1 down to literally nothing left on the frame or the body. Uh, you couldn't take it apart any further. Uh, we media blast it to like new condition. Any kind of rust on the body will then replace the panels. Um, we'll do all of this on a rotisserie so we can rotate it 360 degrees, look at every, every square inch of it. And, and from there, <clears throat> you know, we then, uh, we then have a manager per station. They'll inspect it. Uh, the next manager will inspect it prior to, to accepting it. And um, we'll go from metalwork into uh, into our internal paint and body, and this is kind of an example of everything is done in house. So we have sixty thousand square feet. Uh, clearly, believe this is the largest uh, restoration house uh, or Bronco factory, if you will, in the nation. And and everything is done inside. Powder coating is done inside the. The auto body and all the paintwork is done inside, 
and and the, the bare body goes through our internal body shop, gets completely straightened, and and comes out looking like a brand new piece of uh, piece of metal. In fact, the brand new bodies that we build, Brett, um, you cannot tell once they're painted. The brand new body that we built from individual pieces versus those that we've restored uh, that either a customer brought to us as, a, as an heirloom vehicle or as a, uh, a vehicle that we went out and found for the customer. They, they, they look brand new either way. You know, Seth, I'm kind of curious. Have you ever had a vehicle that, you know, you, you were pretty sure is a great bet? You found this one and you're going to put it through the process rebuild. And once you got it stripped down, you're like, oh, nope, can't do it. And just had to, you that know, shelve it and then, and then start anew. Well, that's absolutely happened. Here, here's the way it works. We, we only buy original paint vehicles and people don't believe it. That that's possible, but, but certainly it is. And, we only buy those original paints because we can tell what's underneath. Uh, uh-huh. You know, any time that we've, we've received a vehicle from a customer, and it just happened, in fact, um, where he brought us a 74, he said it was original paint. We looked at it by face, FaceTime in his garage, and we said, yeah, this looks, looks like a great Bronco. If it's original paint, we'll, um, we'll build you a Bronco, and uh, we'll use that body. Well, we ended up not using that body at all because once we got it here, it had an older repaint, and underneath it was just a party party. It wasn't even safe to be on the road. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Thank God you guys were there. <laughs> so if you're unable to use some of the original parts, I assume you replace them with new. We do. Yes, we do. And so for a body, you know, every single component for the body is made, and we're the only ones licensed to be able to build you a brand-new body using individual components and put that together with the rest of the vehicle. We can build you a brand-new Bronco today. Licensed by Ford. To 77. Licensed by Ford. Yes, sir. Whoa. See, that's cool. Okay. <laughs> that's pretty so, sweet. Uh, once you determine uh, what needs to be done on the body, and whether or not you're going to use all of the original pieces or you're going to use replacement pieces, where do you go from there? Well, from there, um, you know, we really, um, we really take this to our assembly facility. And, and, you know, after the paint and body is done and, and all the parts are like new or brand new, um, we then build it on an assembly line. Just like you would uh, you know, military aircraft, we build your Bronco from stage one of being a rolling chassis to stage two being a, a body that is fully wired, ready to go on top of the frame, uh, to stage three, first fire, which we just had first fire today on an 825-horse supercharged Bronco. Wow. Uh, one of those, uh, yeah. Wow. Was, uh, uh, General and Shelby supercharger and a Coyote. Uh, first fire occurred today. And, and then, you know, from there, uh, it goes on to stage four where we finish out all of the assembly of the interior, uh, all of the exterior panels, and then we put 500 test miles on every one of our vehicles. So as soon as a customer receives it in the driveway, in fact, tomorrow morning, noon, uh, someone in, uh, in New Orleans is going to receive their new Bronco, and they can immediately take it on a road trip that day. Wow. That sounds really somebody, cool. Somebody in New Orleans is going to be real happy. <laughs> so uh, you, you mentioned an 825-horse supercharged Coyote motor. What is the full drivetrain that you have in these? Well, we do.
generally put the six-speed transmission, a high-performance six-speed, right out of the Ford F-150 behind our Coyote. And we're the world's first to do this, all controlled by Ford Electronics, because, you know, that, that's really the best way to put the power to the ground is through all Ford shifting, all Ford software. And um, the six-speed behind a Coyote is honestly, it's just a joy to drive. So we're not going to get a three on the tree and an inline six? What? <laughs> what? What? We, well, I will, I will tell you we do have one of those in the facility today, uh, gentleman from Florida uh, who could who could certainly drive anything he would like to would he wanted a roadster version of a six-cylinder three on the tree and that's exactly what we're building oh, no, clearly I bet you guys call that a golf cart after putting in those coyotes oh my gosh well he, he only he only works a mile away from his house and yes he lives on a golf course or in a golf community <laughs> Doesn't all even that, you know, that's all I really need <laughs> yeah uh, true that good on him. So, out of curiosity, you're doing the Coyote motor, you're doing the uh, the six-speed from the F-150 behind it, and it's a proven combo, but what do these Broncos weigh? They're not very big. Well, they're about 3,600 pounds, so they're not very big. Yeah, but 600 so, horse. Reality, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, 600 horse, 800 horse, I'll just tell you, even a 450 horse, um, I, I, I had a great, great pleasure of, of getting to meet. Uh, Richard Petty, and and this was just a just a few weeks ago. Met Richard Petty, and and um, you know I didn't have the heart to tell him that we were doing a video shoot, and we were doing it across a long bridge with a brand new Petty Mustang, and uh, this Petty prepared Mustang uh, in our Bronco, and uh, mm-hmm. we hammered it going across this uh, closed course bridge, and <laughs> the Bronco beat the Petty Mustang. <laughs> camera well all-wheel drive does help a little so uh, you do the you've done the body and you've done the drive train uh what happens to the bronco after that well you know once all of that is done it's really a wiring effort and we do everything from scratch so we um we essentially build all of our own harness and we take an original harness from uh you know one of the providers and then we completely deconstruct it and build our own harness so everything on this Bronco is brand new, except for maybe the original frame or maybe the original body. And, and, and you know, the wiring is the heart of this thing. And the reasons people have so many issues with their unreliable Broncos is because the wiring is shot. And you have to go through and, and do that from scratch. And that's really our station three is getting, uh, getting all of our wiring done, installed, and, and done in a way that's very serviceable. Because remember, all of these Broncos come with a warranty, and it's wherever you keep it. So we go up to a five-year warranty anywhere around North America. And, and from there, you know, wherever you keep it, if it's at a cabin in northern Michigan, we take care of you where your Bronco is, and we want to make sure that it's very serviceable um, by a Ford dealer or by others uh, that might be local to your vehicle. What everybody's missing on this and what I've seen in person is how good these things look when they're done. Take a second and brag about your paint, your interior, and just oh, well, ha- just well, how the finishes you, come out. And you had mentioned uh, during the break, Brett, that... Um, they're art. 
Well, and and this and the the spaces between the doors and everything are just no, no, no. so tight. Panel gaps on this thing are Lexus caliber. Everything about the whole car is beautiful. Well, thank you guys. The guys really here deserve all the credit for that. They they do the work, and and, and certainly you know I've had fifteen all original paint Broncos prior to starting this company. The guys took all those dimensions, and then they just made it better. And and our gap. Uh, inspection criteria is plus or minus a millimeter. So we use plastic gauges and we go through a gap everything and it's, it's sometimes only plus a millimeter minus zero millimeters in terms of what we gap these things to. And, and so it really is a, uh, a part of our, uh, our magic there in getting the metal work right. But then the paint work. Um, you know, I would just give you the facts that we've got award-winning Broncos, um, and, and this is, you know, not bragging on our guys, but, you know, five, one, one individual had 60% panel replacement and five uh, shows he came home with five trophies. In fact, one wow. of the trophies he brought to us because he was so happy with it. Every time he shows it, he gets a trophy. And so uh, five attempts, five trophies. Uh, we use all PPG product, top-of-the-line clear, top-of-the-line base. And, and we do a lot of matte finish paints where it comes directly out of the paint booth and zero cut and buff as possible, and there's just really no debris. Uh, and so that's that's something that's pretty special here as well. That the paint is that clean. Prime and the examples. The facility is that clean. We can see the uh, the examples at gatewaybronco.com. Plus, you can stop by one of the pages and schedule a tour. How cool is that? Absolutely, Seth Bergip. Thank you for being with us. Really appreciate you taking the time. And uh, it's an outstanding product at gatewaybronco.com. Welcome, guys. Thank you for the time. Coming up next, we've got uh, Vrenny and Butch in yeah. from the Kansas City Automotive Museum. Going to have a word about them, about what's going on in February and months to come. Next on Driven Radio. With more driven radio, uh, Seth Burgett knows a little bit about Broncos. Doesn't Boy, he? doesn't he? Oh my gosh, he's a smart dude. Uh, yeah, he really is. He's probably too smart to be doing what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would gladly pick up that stick, but it's just too heavy. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a reason we do this. Amen. That's that. why I talk a lot and make a little. Well, exactly. play to your strengths. You know what I'm saying? Play to your strengths. It sounds like it worked for nonprofit. We know why we're here. <laughs> We, true. We know why we're here. And the other voices you hear in the room are Vrenny Fernandez and Butch Pappen from the Kansas City Automotive Museum. Woo-hoo! We love the Automotive Museum. <laughs> They're here to talk with us about what they've got going on this month, what they might have coming in the future, and to maybe not tell us all of everything. Well, you know, you, you got to keep some close to home. Well, yeah. Welcome to the show. And tell it's February. We're finally in February. What is cooking in the land of good looking? It feels like February, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, and how? <laughs> We well, there's a lot happening around the museum. Usually, these early months before car season, we're really prepping for uh, driving season. So there's a lot of planning that goes into January for the 2019 schedule, right. and then we announce everything because if you're a car enthusiast and you're dedicated to going out to all these car shows, you you make your schedule 
in January or February. I'm already seeing Facebook is peppering me with all of these events that are in like June, oh, July, yeah. September. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is cool. Oh my gosh, this is cool. Oh, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? You found out I signed you up for everything. I, is that what it is? Because somebody <laughs> pimped me out and it's cool. I mean, I'm like, look at all this that stuff. That actually sounds like a good deal. <laughs> it's kind of smart. So you've got all these plans coming up. What What's the theme for February? We just yeah. went through uh, back in January. Oh, so long ago. Uh, went through uh, the, the Pinewood Derby. Pinewood Derby, which is just awesome. You know, as seeing some of your pictures, I actually refound my two Pinewood Derbies from oh, when I was really? a kid. You still have them? Oh, yeah. One's one's white and poorly painted, and one's black and poorly, <laughs> poorly painted. painted. And neither one was a winner, but uh, they've got a fine patina. <laughs> They're rat rods now. Oh, my, that's fun. We had a house fire when I was 12 years old. I lost all my Hot Wheels, oh, all man. my Pinewood Derby. And most of my Legos. Now, thank God I had a, a younger brother and sister who, you know. It fill, filled that hole. Well, that they got a little older and I stole all their stuff. There you go. <laughs> but, uh, I remember dad making one Pinewood Derby car. Now, my dad had a lumberyard. He worked all the time. I almost never saw him. And so one day he just says, that Pinewood Derby's this weekend, isn't it? Yeah. Have you done anything? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> I'm 10. I don't know how to work any of this. He so, says, fine. Where's the kit? Give it to me. Boom. Takes it to work. Takes oh, a no, router no. around it and a belt sander and a bunch of other crap. Took one of my Fisher Price guys, cut the legs off of him, drilled a hole in the top of the car, stuck the little dude in there, and that was my Pinewood Derby cart. Now that sounds I got like be- a familiar story, I'm sure, for everyone, a lot of people. <laughs> I can't imagine how many you had in that meeting space. That was the same story. Of, oh, you yeah. know, Dad's helping, and at the last minute, there's that cart. Oh it's yeah, like, you can quite really- weigh enough. You got to get a little lead. No, no, you can especially tell when the dads were the ones that made oh, the yeah. car when when it doesn't work, and then all the dads are on the table Ex- making, you know, with the glue <laughs> and the yeah. weights and. Well, I. My car got best looking car that year because oh, nice. he'd also taken some of my like model car parts, roll oh, bars, and stuff on, like yeah, that, and included yeah. on there. Cool. Best looking car didn't roll for crap. Oh, just, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> the aerodynamics of a dead duck, <laughs> but otherwise, oh yeah, well, that's so, great. That's so great. we're stepping out of January. Yeah. What's coming up in February? February is What's uh, Drag City Month. Uh, this is for drag cars, nostalgia drag cars, uh, oh. gassers. Um, it's not exclusively gassers. Uh, it, we do have one 120-inch uh, front, front engine dragster from mm. the 60s, which uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that. But um, car, you know, Novas with two axles, uh, 39 Chevrolet Coupe with a 409. Now, these are going to be sitting there in that great kind of big display room, that really cool one, where you had the campers and stuff. Oh, dude. Oh, I'm definitely coming out for this. Okay, so, and I don't know, and and don't feel bad if you have to say no, are you going to be able to maybe drag one out, (laughs) so to speak, uh, pardon the pun, and start it? Are we going to be able to hear any of those run? We we might be able to. I'm trying to figure out if there's enough parking lot to do a full-scale burnout and get it shut down again <laughs> well i know you I, can't can't outrun the insurance agent so we're probably not <laughs> good on you and, and trust me about the neighbors because uh, i work for a radio station group and years and years ago one of the the djs they brought a one of those gen engine dragsters oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and the radio station was in the middle of a very conservative neighborhood <laughs> Yeah, that was. Uh, I they think, had people calling uh, the uh, wasn't the FBI, but it was. Uh, they thought an explosion had happened oh my when that ATF. thing kicked over. Yeah, yeah, it was the ATF. It and I think I know funny. that DJ. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, that's awesome. So we've got dragsters coming in in February. We still got uh, we, <laughs> you guys. Like I put any work into it, you guys still have cars and coffee coming up. Yeah. I know that uh, by the time uh, that this is on. Oh, you know what? I bet people will be able to listen to it yeah. while they're there. See. 
Cool. <laughs> cool. I know. And the weather in February for this Cars and Coffee coming up is supposed to be fabulous. It's like you put in a request. Who did you talk to? I don't know, but whoever's working for us, I must be paying well. <laughs> 60 some degrees uh, so, uh, expected. And uh, Is it really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I got a lot of stuff oh, yeah. that needs to leave the garage. Oh, yeah. Drag that out. And so we've got that. And you'd mentioned some... Uh, I just adore the idea for a fundraiser that might include some boogie shoes. <laughs> so uh, our kickoff event, so obviously we have a pretty heavy event schedule for the year, but our kickoff event is Dancing with the Cars, and that <laughs> is in April. Um, and that's where we also kick off our annu- annual fundraiser. Uh, so, or sorry, our annual fund. Uh, mm-hmm. And so that will be a capital campaign to fund the museum for that year. And uh, we haven't... Uh, um, or this last year, we actually quite had quite a bit of success with our annual fundraiser. So uh, we're hoping hoping to continue that into this next year. Well, you know, people will pay you a lot of money to see me not dance. <laughs> oh, so wait, I may wait, have wait. to show up. And <laughs> that, that becomes a twofer. <laughs> you know, what's funny is this this event is actually at a private collection in Grandview, Missouri. Oh, <laughs> now is that where you had the last one? Yes, yeah, so we've had. Okay. It, I think this is our third year, possibly. Mm-hmm. So but yeah, at, at Armor Coast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we uh, have it there because we grew out of our own space. We actually would have to rent tents and and fill the parking lot with tents. And then we realized this isn't working right. So tell me a little bit about yeah. the dance. Is it yeah. just, you know, come as you are, or do you theme with your vehicle, or is so, there is there yeah. a theme to the dance? So this year is Havana Nights. Oh, and oh so, yeah, yeah. So, Getting the so, cars out of, out of a, oh. Yeah, so, so uh, you know, if you've been to the collection, you know they have quite an eclectic collection, but uh, they do have some 50s cars. So what we do is it's a silent auction, live auction. There's, uh, there's, there are drinks. There's a Cuban-inspired buffet. If, if everything works out, we might have some version of a cigar, either chocolate or actual <laughs> cigars. If or only we knew where we could score a 50s-style <laughs> convertible. Darn, I'm going to have to think about that. We're looking Long for photo booth options. No, no, no kidding, no kidding. Oh, well, it's so a fun one. It that's one is. of the many things that will be coming up. And uh, where can we go to find a lot of information about all yeah. this and, and about events? So that will be available on our website at kcautomuseum.com. How hard is that, kcautomuseum.com? <laughs> Not hard at all. Now there's uh, hints and allegations. We've got a, we've got a, about a little less than a minute that there might be some really big news coming in the future. Yeah, we're working on uh, some exciting news to announce you got to everyone, I guess, in the car, Kansas City car community. So it's kind of like Thanksgiving for vehicles, where you got to kind of yeah. let your belt out, right? Because I know. you've, you've be eaten careful. so many cars. Wow, this this that's really going <laughs> off the rails. The, uh, you All got, the transportation funds right now. <laughs> you've got so, yeah, I know so much stuff that you might need a little more. Space. Yeah. Well, you know, the plan has always been to be in our location um, for a short period of time. So it's always been our interim location and then move to a larger facility. So we are going to hopefully have a 50 to 60,000 square foot facility wow. which with about 150 um, vehicle spaces and uh, be in a more central location to the car community in Kansas City. You know, there was a dead Dillon's there on the corner, Price Chopper slash Dillon's at 151st and Marlin. Just go get that. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's, there's a barbecue place close by, and it's like just yeah, a half just mile Just across the parking lot, yes. Yeah. I like the idea of barbecue. Right that sounds Oh, yeah, yeah. See, and, <laughs> oh, and they absolutely. just put in a peanut. Yep. I mean, yeah. <laughs> we need to talk. talk <laughs> okay. But anyway, I, we're out of time. That's it for us on Driven Radio.